0: Christ the Healer, the Session for our Lagos campus. Um, And then we're looking at seven important things about divine healing. Seven important things about divine healing. We said number one, healing is always, always God's will for the sick because it is in his redemptive plan. It is in his redemptive plan. Jesus died not only for our sins, but also for our sicknesses. The same work of redemption that took care of the sin problem, took care of the disease problem. So it's just as easy to get healed as it is to get saved. It's just as easy to get healed as it is to receive forgiveness of sins. Because it's in the same redemptive plan. Praise God. And then we said number two, that healing is always God's will for the sick. Because sickness and disease come from the devil. Sickness and disease come from the devil. God does not have sickness. He doesn't give sickness. For God to make you sick, he's going to have to steal the sickness from the devil to put it on your body. God is not a thief. Amen. He doesn't have it. He doesn't give it. Then we said number three, that God not only provided healing under the old covenant in the Old Testament, but he has also provided healing under the new covenant in the New Testament. Amen. We saw from Exodus fifteen twenty six, Exodus 23, 25, and 26, Deuteronomy 7, 13 to 15, how he was Israel's healer. Now, covenants might have changed, but it wasn't God that changed. He said, I am the Lord that healed thee, and he's still the same great God I am, the Lord God of Abraham. He hasn't changed. He's still the healer. said in Malachi 3, 6, I am the Lord. I change not. Praise God. And if he didn't want his servants to be sick, he sure doesn't want his sons to be sick. Amen. We're in a new covenant, a better covenant established on better promises. That means we have everything they had and we have a whole lot more besides. Amen. Well, number four, we said God being the kind of good father, gracious God, merciful father that he is, he has provided various methods Whereby healing can be obtained. Now don't forget, none of these methods in and of themselves heal. The basis of divine healing is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the basis of divine healing. The finished work of redemption. That's how healing was purchased and provided. Now these are just methods whereby we appropriate that healing. Well, the first one we looked at was asking in the name of Jesus. And we saw John 14, verses 13 and 14. Then we said number two, praying to the Father in the name of Jesus. John 16, 23 and 24. Then we said number three, the prayer of agreement. The prayer of agreement, Matthew 18, 19 and 20. Then we said number four, anointing with oil. Now, James 5, 14 and 15. Remember, we said about that, what the Bible says is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Notice it says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord, not the oil, shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Oil has never healed anybody yet. Amen. It's Jesus who is the healer. Oil is just a symbol of the Holy Spirit, a type, amen, that the power of God will come upon the person to effect the healing, amen. Praise God. Now, Jesus, we don't have any record of him using oil to minister to the sick. He didn't need to. Why? He was already anointed with a tangible anointing of healing power. So because he ministered already, that oil was meant to be something so that the person could feel something. Amen. Now, different people are different levels of spiritual growth. For the more mature believer, God's word is all the evidence he needs. He doesn't need to feel any oil. He doesn't need any hand to feel any hand. He just knows what God's word has already said belongs to him in Christ. And we're going to get there in a bit. Amen. For the sinner who's out there in the world. Amen. Thank God for gifts of healings. And we're going to get there in a bit. Amen. Then there's a a spiritual man. There's the natural man. And then in between, there's the canal man, the believer, you know, who is still growing to know his rights and privileges in Christ. He may need to feel some oil. He may need to have a hand on his head. And it's okay. Praise God. But don't forget, it's not the oil that does it. It's God that does it. We don't want to start attributing things to material things that God has put on them. Now, I was explaining something I was going to talk about cloth, and I will, with this next method that I'm going to talk about, amen, and that's method number five, right, the laying on of hands, the laying on of hands, that's another method for ministering to the sick, now in Mark chapter 16, from verse 15 to 20, the Bible says, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, he that believeth not shall be damned, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The Bible says, and after he had spoken these words unto them, he was received up into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God. And they went forth preaching everywhere. The Lord walking with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Praise God. So you see, in this great commission which obviously belongs to the church. Amen. It's for us. We're still in that day. And this scripture lets us know that healing certainly is God's will because we're to preach the gospel. You know, one fellow said something one time. He said, well, we, we don't preach divine healing. We just preach the gospel. I heard that. I laughed. If you're preaching the gospel, healing is part and parcel of the gospel. Jesus said they were to preach the gospel. And then Jesus who said they were to preach the gospel said they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So that's to accompany the preaching of the gospel. Amen. Romans 1.16, Paul said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Now, Dr. C.I. Schofield, very able Hebrew scholar and Greek scholar. Amen. Baptist man, stressing that for emphasis. Amen. He said something, that that word salvation, that it implies the ideas of deliverance, of safety, of preservation, of healing, and of soundness. That it's the all-inclusive word of the gospel, having in it all the redemptive acts and processes. So the gospel is God's power unto healing. The gospel is God's power unto deliverance. Amen. It's God's power to our preservation. Healing is part and parcel of the gospel. Now, remember in Acts 14, from verse 7 to 10, talking about Paul and Barnabas at Lystra, the Bible says, And there they preached the gospel. It says in verse 8, And there sat a certain man, impotent at his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speaking, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. The Bible says, And he leaped and walked. Now, how did that man get healed? Paul preached the gospel. Paul preached the gospel. He wasn't healed because Paul was an apostle. The Bible says he had faith to be healed. His own faith got him healed. Now I wonder, you know, what Paul must have preached. Do you think Paul preached like some modernistic preachers who say, well, when the last apostle died, healing died. When Jesus went to heaven, that whole cessation theory that all that is not for us today. Could that have been the kind of gospel Paul preached? Certainly not. Amen. But notice what Paul preached was the gospel. And then the Bible says the man had faith to be healed. There's something in the gospel. If you're preaching the gospel, people ought to have faith to be healed when they hear you. So healing is part and parcel of the gospel. Now you notice that among the signs I'll follow believers, Jesus said they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now you know that, let's say your grandfather or your father, an old man's about to die, then he's speaking his last words right? Those last words he says, you pay particular attention to them, isn't it? Now, according to Mark's account, the last 11 words Jesus spoke before leaving the earth, according to Mark's account, was this, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. See, God is strong about the laying on of hands. It's a Bible ordinance. It actually predates the new covenant. We see it in the old covenant. It's used for at least seven things in the Bible. The Day of Atonement, you see it's used. When Paul, uh, uh, Moses was going to put Joshua in place, he laid hands on him. Amen. So, it's a scriptural ordinance. It's a Bible doctrine. One of the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ. Now, who can lay hands on the sick? Any believer can. Any believer can. And like I said, the laying on of hands can be practiced from two perspectives. First, as a point of contact. Who can do that? Any believer can. What do I mean a point of contact? That's that the moment you lay hands on the sick, at that moment, the sick man starts believing that he receives his healing. The moment you lay hands on him is the moment he releases his faith. Now, there's a lot of laying on of empty hands on empty heads, which produces empty results in the body of Christ today. Why? Because we don't teach it like we should. And so we don't have faith in it like we should. And then we don't get the results that we ought to. Amen. It's a point of contact. That's the moment the sick man releases his faith. That's the moment he starts believing that he receives his healing. That's the moment he says what he believes. He starts believing he receives his healing. Amen. Then, another perspective that the laying on of hands can be practiced, which I talked about last session, is from the standpoint of the law of contact and transmission. Contact and transmission. Now, mention this. Any believer who's born again, even if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, if you're born again, the Bible says they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. See, Kenneth E. Hagin, as a Baptist boy preacher, before he got filled with the Holy Ghost, got five times as many people healed as Pentecostal people did. You know why? They depended just on gifts of healings, gifts of the Spirit. They waited until there was a manifestation of the Spirit. And the Spirit of God does manifest himself as he wills. But he, he wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost. He was just a Baptist boy, born again. And he knew the Bible. He knew about anointing the secret all name of the Lord, praying the prayer of faith for them. He knew about the laying on of hands. And he knew about faith in God's Word. So he just taught people the Bible, preached the Bible. Amen. And he got them healed, coming and going. Now, He wasn't even filled with the Holy Ghost, just acting on God's word. And any believer can lay hands on the sick and expect them to recover. And they will. They will. Praise God. Now, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost as a believer, and if you will take time to pray in the Spirit, the Bible says in Acts 1.8, "But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And James 5:16 says, "Confess your faults one to another, pray one for another that you may be healed. The effect of having prayer of a righteous man availeth much." Now the amplified version says the continued, earnest, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Now any spirit-filled believer, whether you are called to the ministry or not, if you are born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. If you would take time to pray in the spirit, you can charge up your own spirit and stir up the power of God on the inside of you. And then you can go lay hands on the sick. Amen. You see, we have the life of God in us as believers. Your hands are a conductor of that life. And that life can flow through you. You are a life transmitter. And when that life gets a hold of sickness, it engulfs it. When John G. Lake was in South Africa, there was one time there was the bubonic plague. It wasn't Ebola. You know, it was bubonic plague. Unlike Ebola, which is transmitted through fluids, this was airborne. I you say it was airborne. It was very contagious, very dangerous. And then um, people died. Multitudes were being buried. The British were sent a corps of doctors and medical folks to co- help... Uh, contained the epidemic in South Africa at that time. It was in South Africa from 1907 to 1912. Amen. And while he was there, that stuff broke out. And then um, they were, you know, uh, burying the dead, treating the sick, and all, all that stuff. And he was also helping out. Then they had preventatives, stuff that they used. And then they asked Lake, why aren't you using any of that stuff? He said, I don't need to. So what do you mean you don't need to? Well, he told them. Said, so you might want to experiment with me. Take the froth that comes from the mouth of someone who's just died with that plague. They did. Said, so take it under the microscope. They got under the microscope. It's a bacterial stuff. They saw the germs motile, moving around and alive. Up till a good time after the person's death. They established that. Then they now said, all right, let's do this now. Let me take my hand and use my hand to get the froth from the mouth of someone who had just died of the plague. He did. Then he said, let me take my hand under the microscope. He did. They checked it and the germs were dead. Then they were amazed. They said, what caused that? Then he said, that's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, that didn't happen because he was an apostle. Because he was. Because he was a missionary. No, it happened because he's in Christ. He wasn't any more in Christ than you are in Christ. And the Bible says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Sickness is a manifestation of that law of sin and death. Amen. There is another law at in the spirit of the believer. The law of life in Christ Jesus. Now. Imagine such a consciousness. And laying hands on the sick. When the contact of your hands will kill germs. What about when you put those same hands on the sick? Any spiritual believer can do that. And have the life of God flow through him. Now. That said, and especially if you'll take time to charge up your spirit, stir up the power of God on the inside of you. Really, we can pray the power of God out. In a sense, pray it down. Really, it's coming from inside us. Praise God. Now, the Bible also tells us that there are special ministries. Are you listening to me? Acts 19, 11 and 12. It says, And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, So that from his body were brought unto the sick, handkerchiefs and aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. See, there are special ministries, and there are special anointings. Sometimes God uses people in some of these ways. See, you read about Jesus in Luke chapter 4. Remember, in chapter 3, 21 to 23, he was baptized by immersion in water by John the Baptist. Then the Holy Ghost came upon him in the bodily shape and form as a dove. Amen. Father spoke from heaven, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Read in chapter 4 verse 1. How he was led by the Spirit, being full of the Holy Ghost, into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And then how he whipped the devil with the word of God. Amen. From verse 1 to 13. And then you get over to verse 14. Where the Bible says Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. It says they went about a fame of him throughout the region round about. It says he taught in their synagogues being glorified of all. Says he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as his custom was. And he stood up for to read. The Bible says, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he says, when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The Bible says he closed the book and he sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them. These days this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Amen. Now notice Jesus said something. He actually quoted from Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2. Said the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And among other things he has anointed me to heal. Now Jesus was anointed with healing power. He was anointed with healing power. In Luke chapter 5 verse 15, as well as Luke chapter 6 verses 7 to 19, the Bible talks about how they came to hear him and to be healed. Now what did they come to hear? What did they come to hear? What did he tell them? Of course, God's word. Well, you see, he told them that he's anointed. Those who would hear that and receive it, he could get them healed. If you get in Matthew 14, 34 to 36, the Bible says, and when they were gone over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. Matthew 14, 34 to 36, when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent about into all the country, brought unto him all that were sick, and they besought him that he might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched were made whole. I want to ask you, what knowledge of him do you think they had? That he was a carpenter? Yeah, you know he was a carpenter. If you didn't know, I just told you His daddy was a carpenter. He also was a carpenter. The Bible tells us that. So he knew something about that trade. If what they had was that he was a carpenter, what they would have done is they would have come to bring their furniture that needed some repair. Well, if what they had was he was an eligible bachelor who was a fine young man, well, they would have gone to bring their sisters and, um, you know, and aunties that were eligible, spinsters, if that was the knowledge they had of him. But whatever knowledge it was, it had something to do with healing. What do you think they heard? They must have heard Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. Brother Higgins said Jesus told him that the first sermon he preached everywhere he went, everywhere he went was from Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. That when they had the scroll, he read it out. When they didn't have the scroll, he quoted it. So that was what they heard. What do you think the woman with the issue of blood heard? Do you think it was somebody's testimony? I doubt it. The Bible says when she had heard of Jesus. Faith doesn't come by hearing testimonies. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I believe what she heard was that he is anointed. When she heard that, then she believed, oh, he's anointed. So if I'll touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. So with the laying on of hands, there's also the place of laying hands with a tangible anointing of God's power. Amen. Now, sometimes people come and they want the minister to heal them. Mark 5, 25 through to 34. Mark 5, 25 through 34. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all she had, but was nothing better, it rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who to touch my clothes? His disciple said, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee and says, Thou touched me. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said, verse 34, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now, that story tells us a whole lot of things. Among them is this, several people touched Jesus, only one got healed. What made the difference? Some might have taught him out of curiosity. Some might have taught him like, let's see what he can do. But she touched him in faith. You see, it's faith that activates the power of God. It's faith that puts it to use. Are you listening to me? The power of God is inactive. It's inert. I like could talk about inert gases, neon, argon, and so on. It's inert, inactive, until faith is exercised it's faith that gives action to that power it's faith that gives action to that power well later on this afternoon we'll lay hands on the sick where my responsibility ends is to lay hands on you with that power that's all i can do i need to have enough faith to transmit it and you need to have enough faith to receive it i can carry a bona fide baby christian on my faith someone's a baby christian i can get him healed on my faith i just get him on neutral gear if someone Maybe they've been exposed to God's word some, but still growing up, if I can get them to just agree with me, I can use my faith for them. But when people have had some time and opportunity, some exposure to God's word, God expects a whole lot more from them. See, your faith matters. Jesus never healed anybody and said, according to my faith, as the Son of God be it unto you. Never did. If you check now, Jesus had the Holy Ghost without measure, John three thirty-four. For him whom God hath sent, speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit unto him by measure. You know, some people read that and they say that unto him is in italics. That it actually says God giveth not the Spirit by measure. That anybody who has the Holy Spirit has the Holy Spirit without measure. Now, that doesn't make sense. If you're talking about the Holy Spirit within, the Holy Spirit within is not in measures. You have as much of the Holy Spirit within you as Jesus had within him and still has within him. Because that's a function of sonship. Are you listening? But when you talk about the Holy Spirit upon, the Holy Spirit upon is in measures. If you have the Holy Ghost without measure, then you individually are the entire body of Christ. And you don't need the rest of us. And you can get everybody born again on the earth. And you can get all the work of God done. And the truth is you can't. You see, the Bible says in Ephesians 4 verse 7, To every one of us is grace given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Hebrews 2, 3 and 4. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, diverse miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. Now that word gifts of the Holy Ghost, in Hebrews 2, 4, is the word merismus. Merismus means distributions. See, there are distributions of the Holy Ghost to us. Amen. If you have the Holy Ghost without measure, then you're an apostle, you're a prophet, you're an evangelist, you're a pastor, you're a teacher, you're a helps minister, you're an usher, you're, uh, you're, the, you're the accountant, you're the lawyer, you're the... And you know you're not. Then you're everything. Then you're God. You're the body of Christ, and you're not. Amen. The Bible says the fullness of Jesus fills the body. Amen. Jesus had the Holy Ghost without measure. We have the Holy Ghost by measure. Now, Jesus who had the Holy Ghost without measure... If you check the individual accounts of healings, where we are told the story in some detail, under his ministry, there were 19 of them. Check it out. I did. There are 19 of them. Now, 12 out of the 19, that's about 62%, the Bible says were healed by their own faith. And if Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever, I can also tell you that the majority of the people that will be healed today will be healed by their own faith. Are you listening? So that's why releasing our faith is important. Now, with the laying on of hands, it will work, like I said, when nothing else will work. Jesus ministered by this method, more so any other method. Amen. What do you do? Just expect to receive. Amen. Expect to receive and the power will get the job done. Amen. So, that's the laying on of hands. Sixth method, gifts of healings. Gifts of healings. Well, in talking about the laying on of hands, hands can actually be laid on cloth. Like the woman with the issue of blood touches his cloth. Paul laid hands on handkerchiefs. Now, some things, just like John Lake said, that uh, like electricity is God's power in the natural. The anointing is God's power in the supernatural. I don't know why, but some things will conduct that power and some things will not. I have tried oil. I've laid hands. When that power was a manifestation in my hands, I put my finger in oil. It didn't leave my hand. It didn't enter. I'm telling you. Brother Higgins said he tried it too. He didn't enter. I have tried leather. I have. I've tried it. I'm a good one to experiment. Bible says watch and pray. Amen. I tried leather. Laid hands on leather belts. He didn't enter. I've tried paper. I've tried it. He didn't enter. Now, you see, as a point of contact, anything can be a point of contact. I can say, for instance, if you're sick and you sit on that chair, you will be healed. Now, not because anything was transmitted in that chair, but... You're sitting on that chair becomes the point when you release your faith and start believing you're healed. It'll work. If I say if you're sick and you touch this thing, you'll be healed. Not because there's anything transmitted here. But it then becomes your point of contact. You know, and that's why we'll hear of people that drank some water, you know, sprinkled some oil. Yeah, not because those things had anything to themselves. It's really because the people started believing. But I've learned to stay within the boundaries of scripture. Don't start pushing all that stuff. Uh, if you are sick, and if you just, if you just come here and I'll shake your hand, or if you just go and touch that wall, before somebody will start worshipping the wall, you know, just take this shot of oil, you know, and all that. Let's stay within the boundaries of scripture. And then we're in good stead. Praise God. But you see, talking about an actual transfer of something, that power enters into cloth. I laid hands on a piece of cloth one time. It was meant to be taken to this young man that had arthritis. His sister got to the house and she dropped the handkerchief somewhere. The brother knew nothing about that handkerchief. He was just checking stuff and he saw his sister's handkerchief, just the lady's handkerchief. He said the moment he touched it, he felt something like electricity go from the handkerchief into his body and his arthritis left. Now, something was transmitted. There was something that went through. You see, so the power of God is a tangible substance and it can be transmitted in cloth. Why is it cloth? I don't know. You know, but we see that in the Bible with Jesus' cloaks. We see that, and the Bible says they sought to touch him, went virtue out of him, sought to touch the hem of his garment. You know, woman with issue of blood also his cloaks. We see it in Paul's handkerchiefs and the aprons he laid hands on. So the power of God can actually be transmitted and then taken to the sick and the sick be healed. Amen. Gifts of healings, that's the sixth method. Now, there's what we call manifestations of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, from verse 1, says, now concerning spiritual gifts, and the word gifts is in italics, meaning it's not there in the original. The original actually says, now concerning spirituals, pneumaticals, things often pertaining to the Holy Ghost. I will not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord or by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts were the same Spirit. Differences of administrations were the same Lord. Diversities of operations were the same God that worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man who profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another the gifts of healing. Actually in the Greek both are plural. Gifts of healings by the same Spirit to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the descending of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these work at that one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man, severally as he will. Now, gifts of the spirit, manifestations of the Holy Ghost, they come in operation as the spirit of God wills. Can you press a button and pull a lever and produce a manifestation? You can't. Nobody can. If it's the real deal, you can't. It's the spirit of God that initiates it. And yes, he does initiate those things many times. And among those nine, there is one listed there called gifts of healings. What's that? It's a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Whereby the sick get delivered from their sicknesses. And there is a renewal of their bodies from a diseased condition. Miracles and healings are different. Miracles are in the creative realm. Healing is just the renewal of the body from a disease condition. Let's say I was born without, uh, without this finger. I don't need a healing for it. There's nothing to heal. I'll need something to be created. And that's why healing won't work there. I was one time, one of Brother Higgins meetings. They brought a child. The child was meant to have been grown, grown but the child just stayed small. He laid hands on the child with the power of God, that healing anointing, but he didn't enter the child. Now, he didn't have the nerve to tell the mother, that that power didn't enter. He left the meeting crying, got to his hotel room in tears, and he began to seek God. Lord, how come that power did not enter that child? How come that power did not enter that child? I know he didn't leave my hand and enter that child. Normally, children are the easiest people to get healed. I know that from experience too. They believe anything. They believe God's word so easily. The power of God just flows into them easily. But he said, how come he didn't flow into the child? What's the matter? Well, he sought the Lord with some fasting, about the second or third day of his fast, the Lord asked him, what did I tell you, you know, when I gave you a healing ministry? He said, yeah, you called it a healing anointing. He said, did I say it was a miracle anointing? He said, no, you didn't. He said, what did I call it, a healing anointing? He said, you see, that child was born with something missing in the brain. That's why your ministry, the child's situation will not respond to what you have. Child does not need a healing. He needs something to be created. That's why right, that power wouldn't enter. This is what I want you to do. Get to that meeting the next time and call the mother out and read to the mother, Matthew 18, 19, if two shall agree on earth as such in anything, they shall ask, it shall be done. The word of God says, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Yeah, if you agree in faith and she stay in faith, it will be created. Same thing happened to William Branham. They brought somebody to him one time. He touched the person and said, no, my ministry will not work here. This needs something created. Yeah, and thank God there's the walking of miracles too. What's the walking of miracles? Manifestation of the Holy Ghost. A divine intervention in the ordinary course of nature. A temporary suspension of the accustomed order. An interruption of the uh, system of things as we know it. Operated by the force of the Spirit of God. So yes, God does move through those methods. Now when gifts of the Spirit, like gifts of healings are in operation, it's not a matter of the faith of the minister. Neither is it the faith of the sick man. It's just the spirit of God initiating something on his own. And sometimes that will even work for skeptics. People will come to and Kuhlman's meetings to gather evidence against divine healing. And to try to prove that all that healing stuff is false. That all these Pentecostal preachers, they are fakes. And then they'll start getting healed. (laughs) One man had a pacemaker in his heart. Had a heart condition. Sister Kuhlman just pointed in his direction. said, there's a man who's sitting right there. You've got a heart condition. In fact, there's a pacemaker in your heart. You're healed now. And the pacemaker, the machine, disappeared. He was instantly healed. Couldn't find the machine anymore, and he was healed. There was somebody, a metal had entered the eye. The eye was blind. The metal disappeared. And the eye started seeing. Yeah. So, the Holy Ghost can manifest himself in those methods. I was preaching one time. Right in the middle of a sentence, I heard the Holy Ghost say, someone got, just got healed of ulcer. So, I blotted it out. Someone just got healed of ulcer and I continued preaching. Only for me to find out it was my cousin. I had had ulcer since childhood. Some months after, I saw him eating things he shouldn't be eating. And I asked him, how come? You're eating this, shouldn't be eating it. He said, yeah. He said, I got healed. I said, wow, what happened? When? How? He said, do I remember such and such a meeting? I said, I do. That I said such and such. I said, yes, I do. He said, he was the one. Interesting. He said, he wasn't believing for the healing. I said, I wasn't either. He was the Holy Ghost. And he can initiate stuff on his own. I was in India one time. I was teaching. I was teaching along these lines. Then there was a, a, a like where he seated, a section of seats. There was a lady right there in front. I got, I was walking around a bit. I got in front of her. And then on the inside of me, I heard the Lord say, tell that lady she's healed. I thought to myself, I don't even know that she's sick. Well, I learned a long time ago just to obey God. I'm just his errand boy. So I pointed at her and said, now I'm human and I could miss it. But the Lord will have me tell you that you're healed. She didn't show much emotion. Just something like, praise God. Only for me to find out later that she had a a heart condition that was incurable. And she was instantly healed. Instantly healed. Now, was that my faith? No. Was it her faith? No. It was the Holy Ghost initiating something. So gifts of healings that's the Holy Ghost. He can initiate stuff on his own. Now, who can flow in gifts of the Spirit? Any Spirit-filled believer. Let me also mention, in talking about gifts of healings, as one of the methods whereby healing can be obtained, is this. If you read later on in that chapter 12, the Bible says in verse 27, And here are the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. 28 says, And God had set some in the church, firstly apostles, secondarily prophets, Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healings. Helps. Governments. Diversities of tongues. Then it goes on to say, are all apostles? Of course, the answer is no. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covetedness in is the best gifts? sure yes, and in a more excellent way? Amen. Now, you notice that. Now, don't take that out of his context and say that speaking in tongues is not for everybody. That's not what he's saying. The list there is not the same as the earlier list of the nine. The earlier list of the nine is what we call the manifestations of the Holy Ghost or gifts of the Spirit. You know, nine of them. This list here is talking about ministry gifts. The tongues he's speaking of here is ministry tongues and interpretation. And not every person will flow in that. But every believer can be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues. Now you notice that gifts of healings is mentioned in this other list. It's a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. But then also... Some people are gifted with multiple gifts of healings. Well, with gifts of healings. With some, it's just one of them. Now, it looks like there are different gifts in different areas. During the healing revival, 47 to 58 in America, 1947, 1958, different of those healing evangelists discovered that they were gifted along different lines. They were gifted along different lines. Brother Higgins said virtually everybody he prayed for that had a growth, a cancer, especially if it was in growth form, got healed growth, rupture, hernia, once it was a growth. F.F. Bosworth, he was specially gifted with people that were deaf. There were sometimes, you have other people pray for other sick people. Say, if you're deaf, come here. Have, even if you need hearing aids, you wear hearing aids, you don't have a drum, you know. Virtually all of them will get healed. Different ones got different results in different areas because God gifts different ones of us differently. Find your own area. None of us is a jack-of-all-trades. Don't try to be a jack-of-all-trades. You become a master of none. We all need one another. Amen. We all need one another. So one of the methods whereby healing can be obtained is through gifts of healings. Like I said, that is a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. It's as the Spirit of God wills. You can't press a button and pull a lever and produce it. Benny he ministers this way too. You know, like Kethen Kuhlman did. And Kethen Kuhlman got it also from somebody, F.B. Parrott. That's where he, she got it from too. Amen. See, anointings rub off by association, environment, and influence. Are you listening to me? Things rub off. Praise God. Now, um, uh with Sister Catherine, if you just start happening all over the crowd, if you were to go to her particularly, pray for me for my healing, you may not get healed. But be in the meeting where the Holy Ghost is moving. And then, you know, it's just like the song God is gonna touch someone today. God is going to touch someone today, it could be me, it could be you, it could be someone standing by your side. That's how it is. You can't guarantee you have a manifestation of the Spirit. And that's why I tell people, in as we are open to the Holy Ghost and to him manifesting himself, don't wait for a manifestation. You may not get one. Those things work more. When I'm in India, I have more manifestations of the Holy Ghost than when I am in some other places that I've had greater exposure to the Gospel. Those things are supernatural advertisements that are meant to drive people, bring people in. Once people have had time and opportunity, had exposure to God's word, God expects something more from them. He expects them to use their faith. And then He works more, like I said, with unbelievers and among baby Christians. Now, yes, we're open to that. Some people will never be healed except there's a manifestation of the Spirit. And so we need to contend for the move of the Holy Ghost. See, what you are not up on, you are down on. If you are down on the move of the Spirit, there's a way you can teach and make it sound like it's just faith. It's just the Word. We don't need gifts of the Spirit. And that's wrong teaching. We do need gifts of the Spirit. We do need manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Yes, we put the preaching and the teaching of the Word first. But you see, we are also open to the Holy Ghost. I was was in this church service. I was meant to close the meeting. I came forward to close it, and all of a sudden I heard the Lord say this to me. There's a lady here with an ovarian cyst. Then I spoke it out. Who's the lady with the ovarian cyst? She was standing, sitting right in front. said, yeah, she's the one. said, the Lord will have me tell you you're healed. She went to the hospital the next day. It had vanished. What was that? It was a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. It was gifts of healings. So we are open to these things. I went mean, somewhere. I was told to bring a word. I got up, and then the Lord told me there's a young man here. Your daddy has epilepsy. Well, he is healed. And that was it. I didn't tell him to raise up his hand. You know, you should be wise. Wisdom is profitable to direct. There could be a lady in that assembly that he's been eyeing. And the lady, he's been trying to toast her. And lady he now see hey, Epi. She now says, hey, maybe he runs in their family. You know, so I don't want to spoil his show. Amen. So you should be wise. Amen. And discreet with these things. So I just said it. I didn't have him identify himself. I left. After I left, four years after, I went somewhere. Then this young man walks up to me. He says, do you remember such and such a meeting? I said, yes, I do. That you said such and such. He said, yes, I do. He said, it was his dad. I said, oh, tell me more. He said, he had had epilepsy. It was a medication. If he went without his drugs for one week, he would start having seizures. He said, it's been four years now. He hasn't taken a tablet. He hasn't had a seizure. Now, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know something happened. He was healed. See, what was that? It was a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost can initiate stuff on his own. Now, this is what I've also learned. Sometimes this works with the word of knowledge. I've had the Lord point people out, you know, and I just point at the person and say, this is, and this. I've even had the Lord tell me people's names. I've had stuff like that, but you see, I don't control it. I can't turn it on or turn it off. It's as the Spirit of God wills. And I've learned something. If the Holy Ghost is moving in gifts of His Spirit, great, let's flow with it. If it's not moving in gifts of His Spirit, don't try to manufacture something. Don't get in the flesh. If you get in the flesh and stay long enough in the flesh, see part of the works of the flesh, Galatians 5, 19, 20, 21, part of that list, you'll see their witchcraft. Sorcery. Yeah, you can open up yourself as a spirit-filled believer to occult powers and familiar spirits. If you try to operate in the Holy Ghost when the anointing is not in manifestation. If the Holy Ghost is moving in gifts of the Spirit, great, then we go with the flow. If it's not moving in gifts of the Spirit, wonderful, we'll just preach the word. You know, sometimes as a minister, you get to a place where people want you to perform. Where you feel obligated to perform. Listen, it's a bad place to be. You're not a performer. If you wanted to do performance, go to Join Africa Magic and go perform in there. We're not performers, we're ministers of the gospel. Amen. It's Jesus who is doing it. We just preach the word. We teach the word. If it's moving and gifts, us great. If it's not good, glory to God. Amen. So that's the sixth method. The seventh and actually the best method whereby healing can be received is simply by knowing the word of God and acting on it. Knowing the word of God and acting on it. That's the best method to receive healing. You know from Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Surely I've won our griefs Literal Hebrew, sicknesses or diseases. Carried our sorrows, literal Hebrew pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, the punishment of our peace, of our shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Matthew 8, 17, that he might be fulfilled. Which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Saying himself, took our infirmities. And bear our sicknesses. First Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins shall live unto righteousness. By whose stripes ye were healed. Not going to be, we were. By whose stripes? The Greek word stripes, there's the word molopsi. Molopsi actually means a singular boost. Amen. You see, like I said, it wasn't what the angry mob did. It wasn't what the Roman soldiers did. It was what God himself did. God laid our diseases upon him. Sickness and disease is not physical. It's spiritual, but it manifests in the physical. Our sicknesses and our diseases were laid upon the spirit of Jesus. His physical body was broken for our physical sustenance. Are you listening to me? And because he took the disease, we don't have to take it. Well, there was one time, you know, I had to do something in the hospital and then, you know, concerning someone else. And then I needed to do a test. I'd had this uh, cough that just had persisted. So when I did the test, they saw some parameters and then they told me, we need to admit you immediately. This is serious. We need to admit you immediately. Well, and if I didn't know what I knew, I would have immediately gotten admitted. But because I know something, I didn't know when I just laughed. <laughs> I said, thank you. I appreciate your concern." But I really wouldn't need that. It was like, huh, huh? We're telling you this is serious. I thanked them. Now what did I do? I just turned to Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, Matthew 8, 17, and 1 Peter 2.24. And I just muttered those scriptures to myself. I just repeated them. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes were healed. And then we personalize it. Surely he has borne my griefs. He has borne my sicknesses. He has borne my diseases. He has carried my pains, carried my sorrows. You know, and I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and muttered it to myself again some more. And thought about it and muttered it to myself some more. You know? And I spent some time a few hours doing that, just meditating on those scriptures. Well, by the next morning, it had all cleared. Amen. What was that? I just know from God's word that I'm healed. I don't need to have anybody lay hands on me. I don't need to have somebody agree with me. I don't need to feel some oil on my head. I just know that I know that I know that I know that my healing was consummated 2,000 years ago in Christ Jesus. Now, this is the best method to be healed. Actually, God wants us to stay well all the time. Now, is everybody on that level? No. Sometimes we need some help along some areas. Sometimes we do. What do you do? There's some level you can hook up on. But either which way, God wants you well. God wants you well. So we said number one, Healing is always God's will for the sick because it's in the redemptive plan. We said number two, healing is always God's will for the sick because sickness and disease come from the devil. We said number three, God not only provided healing under the old covenant, he has also provided healing under the new covenant. Then we said number four, there are various methods whereby healing can be obtained. Then number five, Know the difference, this is the fifth point, Know the difference between when God initiates healing on his own Through gifts of the spirit. And when man initiates healing by his own faith, there's a difference. There are two different things and we need to know them. Are there some times when God initiates a healing? Yes, he does. See, God is God. He's sovereign. He reserves the right of divine sovereignty to do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it. Provided he does not violate his word. Are you listening? God will never violate his word. But he can do what he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it. Now why did Jesus appear to Saul of Tarsus on his road to Damascus? We don't have record of anybody else getting saved that way in the Acts of the Apostles. But by the time you read what Saul of Tarsus became, then you see that Jesus certainly knew what he was doing. Are you listening? So God can initiate stuff on his own. In John chapter 5, if you read from verse 1, Through to about verse 9. There was this pool of Bethesda. And then there were five porches. Sheds. And then there were sick people who were all over those sheds. Multitudes of sick people. Then by that pool an angel will come. At a certain season and trouble the water. Now the angel did not follow a pattern. If the angel came the first Thursday of every month. Then why will I be there on on Sunday? I wait until it's Wednesday night. But you see, the angel did not follow any set pattern. We didn't know when it will happen. But we just knew that this angel will come and trouble the water. And notice, the first person, not the first two people, not the first five people, the first person who gets into the water after the angel troubles it will get healed. Now, why did God do that? Well, he's God. He can do what he wants to do. However, he wants to do it. He reserves the right of divine sovereignty, provided he doesn't violate his word. Now, did Israel really need that? In a sense, they didn't. Why didn't they really need it? Because they already had Exodus 15-26. God had told them, I am the Lord that healed thee. If they would just have believed their covenant, they didn't need to be looking for water to step into. They could have stayed healthy. But you see, sometimes God does these things just to remind us that he's still alive and he's doing well. That he hasn't changed. But another thing you notice is this. With gifts of the Spirit, you can't determine when they will come in manifestation. You can't press a button and pull a lever. There's sometimes I fasted twice as much, prayed three times as much, and they weren't in manifestation. And sometimes I wasn't doing any extraordinary fasting and I had seven of them in manifestation in a single meeting. And it was like, what was that? God was trying to tell me, I'm God, not you. I'm the one running things. Now should we do our part and prepare and pray and study and get ready? Yes. But you see, they as the spirit of God wheels. And then, this is another thing about them. Notice there were five sheds of sick people, but only one will get healed. That's the same thing about gifts of healings. Only, there may be 5,000 people. Only 10 are healed that way. Yeah, God just initiates those things to remind us that he's God, to inspire our faith. Amen. But you see, the other way is man can always initiate his own healing. Every single time. Gifts of the Spirit as the Spirit of God wills. But the Word of God works as we will. Are you listening to me? John 15, 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Matthew 15, 28. O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Faith in God's Word will always work. Faith will always work. Faith will always work. So don't wait for a manifestation of the Spirit. Yes, let's stay open to those manifestations. Let's contend for the move of the Spirit. But let's put the Word of God first. Are you listening? Don't wait on, until there's a manifestation. You may not have one or you might be dead. Now, Jesus now gets there and asks the man, will that be made whole? And then the man began, began plenty, too wrenchy. Who was asking him for too eh, I have no man to carry me into the water. Who was asking him story? You know. Then Jesus tells him, take up thy bed and walk. Now, what was that? That was actually the gift of special faith and gifts of healings in manifestation. The man was healed. Then notice, after Jesus healed that man, he turned and walked away. Now, was that man healed on his own faith? He wasn't. That was a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. But notice, Jesus he didn't have a manifestation for every other person. He left the rest of them there sick. Because that was a manifestation of the Spirit. Now, remember the man by the gate beautiful, Acts 3. Just ten days before Jesus was in that Jerusalem... Jesus passed by that temple at least three times we have record of. How come he never healed that man? Are you listening to me? Yeah. The man was there. The man was about 40 years. Yes, he was just healed. So, and Jesus was there in that area quite a while. But the man wasn't healed. In Acts 5, 12, and then 15 and 16, where they put the sick on beds and couches, the shadow of Peter falling on them and they getting healed. Where do you think they got all such sick people from if Jesus healed every single sick person while he was on the earth? I was talking to a lady one time. I said, I know a place Jesus got to and he, he could not do miracles. Our eyes got as big as saucers. The very response, I wanted to elicit. I wanted her attention. What do you mean? I said, listen, I didn't say he did not. I said he could not. As in, he tried, but he failed. He couldn't get them healed. I so said, what are you talking about? I said, you have a Bible? I said, I do. I said, open it to Mark chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. And Jesus could there. Now look it up in other translations. He could there, he could not, he could not. He tried, he could not. There do no mighty work except that he laid hands on a few sickly folks with minor ailments. Headache, stomach ache, sprain, ankle, sprain, leg, bruise. And the Bible tells us why. He marveled because of the unbelief. Listen, a servant is not above his master. If unbelief hindered Jesus, it will hinder you. It will hinder me too. So that's why we put out God's word. So gifts of the spirit as the spirit of God wills. God can initiate those on his own. But faith will always work. Faith in God's word will always work. So what do we do? We emphasize faith. And at the same time, we stay open to the Holy Ghost to manifest Himself. Well, sixth point, point number six. Healing is not always instantaneous. Sometimes it is gradual. Healing is not always instantaneous. Sometimes it is gradual. See, not knowing this has robbed many people of their healing. The first healing that happened under the ministry of Jesus, the first healing, the first one, and this was Jesus that had the Holy Ghost without measure. The first one was in John chapter 4, from verse 46 to 54. The nobleman's son. The man came to Jesus, you know, come, lay your hands on my child, so he doesn't die. Jesus said, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. You know? Jesus told him, go thy way, thy son liveth. The Bible says he believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him. When he got there, the child was healed. He asked of them the hour when he began to amend. And they told him yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And he knew that was the time Jesus had spoken to him. Now notice he began to amend. He began to amend. He began to get better. Sometimes it is like that. Mark 16, 18. They shall lay hands on the sick. And they, the sick, shall recover recover. They shall get better. Sometimes it's instantaneous. Yes! And I've had them instantaneous. Quite a number of them. But sometimes it's also gradual. Sometimes it's also gradual. John G. Lake said this. said, many of our instant healings are a curse. Say, people get healed instantly. They forget about God instantly. Say, but sometimes when it's a gradual process and the person sees that as he continues to believe God and to walk with him, he keeps getting better. Then he it not only gets the healing, it works something of eternal value in them. You see, healing is by degree based on two conditions. The degree of healing power that's administered and the degree of faith that gives action to the power. When I've had a stronger anointing manifestation, I've had more instant healings. Are you listening? Praise God. So it's by degree. Sometimes it could be instant, sometimes it could be gradual. Remember in John 9, 1-7, to the man that was born blind, His healing wasn't instantaneous. It was gradual. It was a process. Jesus spat on the ground. He made clay of the spittle. He put it on the man's eyes. He told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. It was a process. He starts to spit. He starts to make the clay. He puts it on his eyes. He says, go and wash in Siloam. The man must have looked at somebody. Where is Siloam? Take me to Siloam. And then the guy got him to Siloam. I don't think it was one minute. I don't think it was two minutes. He might have taken a bit. Maybe it was 30 minutes. Maybe it was an hour. He got to Siloam, he washed, and then he began to see. So it was gradual. In Luke chapter 17, verse 14, you know, remember the ten lepers. And Jesus told them, go show yourselves to the priests. The Bible says, as they went. Now, as of the time they told Jesus, they came to Jesus for healing, they were still blind. When Jesus said, go show yourself to the priests, they were still blind. When they left, they were still blind. They started going, which means that if they hadn't gone, they might not have been healed. But as they went, as they acted on what Jesus told them, as they went, as they went, as they went, they were healed. In Mark eight, there was this other man by Bethsaida. The man was blind. Now Jesus gets him out of the city. Now I can't get some people healed except I get their pastors out. That's funny, but it's the truth. And sometimes I get them away. You know, there are some places the pastor is embalmed with unbelief. There are some churches the church is embalmed with unbelief that teaches that healing is God's will. God uses healing to teach people a lesson. You know, they've heard that kind of stuff. So Jesus had to get him away from the unbelief of Bethsaida, get him out of this city. When He still got him out of the city, He touched him the first time. He said, "Do you see?" He said, "I see men as trees." <laughs> so is needed a, a second touch now people have said Jesus prayed for the man twice Jesus didn't even pray for the man once Jesus laid hands on the man twice amen now was that instantaneous healing no it was gradual the first time it was seen but it was seen men as trees then the second time he began to see more clearly do you see that so it's also scriptural to lay hands on people more than once if they need it really? if they come in faith the first time they will be healed instantly the first time. Now, it depends on how you take a hold of your healing. Now, does your healing have to take forever to manifest? No. You see, talking about the things like prosperity now, God said he will bless the work of our hands. So, in some of those areas, it's a process. The money, God is not going to reign it from heaven. The money you need is here on earth. Amen. As you work, as you apply God's word, you are diligent, you... Give you a faithful, you know. Then a process is at work, and then God brings prosperity to you. And sometimes that's a process. But when it comes to healing, listen. The healer lives in you. If you're born again, your body is the healer's temple. Your healing doesn't have to take forever to manifest. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say unto you, What things ever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. The word received there is the word lambano. It means to take with force, to seize with a grip that cannot be shaken loose. You can take your healing now. You know why is my healing taking time? Well, it's you we should ask. Eh, But God is taking time. It's not God that is taking time. God healed you two thousand years ago. As far as God is concerned, He will wish your healing manifested yesterday, or He wish it even manifested last year, or He wish you were even never sick in the first place. But you see, it can be instantaneous. If it's instantaneous, let's praise God for it. If it's gradual, what do we do? We keep the switch of faith turned on. We keep the switch of faith turned on. From the moment hands are laid on you, you start saying it. Hands were laid on me. The power of God came on me. It's working in my body. 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 I remember there was this lady. She had asthma. She had a dream. In the dream, they gave her something to eat. She ate it. And then she was not trying to bring it out of her mouth. It was like a rope. And all of a sudden, she brought it up, but she couldn't bring all of it. And she woke up and she started wheezing. Asthma. Went to the doctor. Well, I got to a house to minister to her. It was many years back. I had a little more time on my hands then. I could do such things. Went uh, her her. Uh, a relation of hers took me there. So we went there together. She told me the story. As soon as she did, I just sensed in my heart that now this smacks of demon activity. I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to tell the devil to take his hands off. Then I had a vision. Strange. I saw the Lord Jesus. I saw him lay hands on her. Well, then I remembered what he said when he was on earth. That that which I see my father do, that I do. So I knew what he was telling me. Don't cast anything. Lay hands on her. That's what I want you to do. That's how I want you to minister to her. So I did the same. I laid hands on her with that power. I told her how Jesus appeared to me. I told her about that healing power in my hands. And I laid hands on her with it. It went into her body. Was she healed instantly? She wasn't. Did she still keep wheezing? She did. Well, you know what happened? She kept saying it. Hands were laid on me. The power of God came into my body. It's working in my body. It's working in my body. Within a month's time, she went back to the hospital. They couldn't find it. The doctor said, you don't need it anymore. Stop the medication. You don't have the asthma. It's gone. Amen. So sometimes it can also be gradual. Sometimes it can also be gradual. What do you do? You keep the switch of faith turned on. Remember, thinking about a young man. He had a, a viral condition. They didn't know what it was. This was many years back, early 90s. He had been bedfast for months. Well, I shared with him a bit, laid hands on him with that power. And then as I was ministering, he noticed that all of a sudden I just stopped my prayer in between. I said, there's no use to continue praying. That power left my hand and entered your body. So you're healed. What do you do? Just keep the switch of faith turned on. Your healing has started. Now, some people let it run for a while and then they stop it. And then the healing is never consummated. So I told him what to do. Just keep the switch of faith turned on. Keep saying it because you believe it. God's healing power is working in my body. God's healing power is working in my body. Listen, even if you don't believe it, keep saying it all the same. You know why? You can school yourself into faith. You can school yourself into faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your word will register on your own spirit faster than anybody else's words will. Amen. Well, before the week was up, it was up. And it's been up ever since. It was healed. The power of God drove it out. So healing can also be gradual. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Sometimes it's instantaneous, sometimes it's gradual. There's this lady. She had trouble with her eyes. She was close to, she was like a bat. You know, they talk about as blind as a bat. She was like a blind bat. Couldn't see clearly. Without her glasses, she couldn't see the median of the road. That's almost blind, don't you think so? She wore glasses that were like a quarter of an inch thick. That's pretty serious, don't you think so? Now she came to Brother Hagin's meeting, believing God for her healing, believing that she'll be healed. He laid hands on her, like he did the other people on that line that day. And immediately, in faith, as far as she was concerned, in faith, she removed her glasses. When she removed her glasses, what happened? She couldn't see anything. No change. Then she came to meet Brother Hagen after. I came believing God for my healing. I came believing that once you lay hands on me, I'll be healed. You laid hands on me and then I removed my glasses, but I can't see. What do I do? Should I tell you what he told her? You want to hear? He said, put your glasses back on. That's what he told her. He said, listen, God's power is already working in you. Obviously, you don't have an instantaneous manifestation. What do you do? Keep the switch of faith turned on. Said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to keep saying it. Mark 11:24 says, "What things ever ye desire when you pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them." Keep saying this. I believe that I receive my healing. I believe that I receive my healing. And keep thanking God that you're healed. Just stay in faith. Well, she did. Nine months she was doing that. Then she had to relocate to another city, uh, in another state, and then she got to the other state. And she needed to get her driver's license in the other state. Now, she had passed the written exam. She didn't need to take, uh, she had passed the driving test. But she needed to acquaint herself with the uh, laws in the other state. And then they noticed that there was a restriction on her driver's license. That she must never drive without her glasses. So they needed to have her eyes checked again. They checked her eyes. Guess what? Came back with vision 20-20. She didn't need the glasses well you know she could have committed suicide by removing those glasses and saying i'm in faith i believe i'm healed and try to drive home and then go and kill her children and kill herself or get arrested by a policeman and get thrown in jail for violating the restriction on her license do you see that some people they try to have faith but they need some wisdom with it do you get my point keep the switch of faith turned on keep the switch of faith turned on And lastly, the seventh point and the last point I'm making, looking at seven important things about divine healing. The seventh of them and the last of them is this. God's method of healing is spiritual and it can be lost. God's method of healing is spiritual and it can be lost. God's method of healing is spiritual and it can be lost. Now what do I mean by that? See, when man heals, and believe it or not, man can heal. Are you listening to me? When man heals, he either has to do it through the physical body like medical science does. Or he does it through the mind like Christian science. You don't want to mess with that stuff. You know? They're false religions. Like that does. But when God heals, he demands faith. Amen. And faith is of the spirit. Faith is of the spirit. When Jesus got to Jairus' house, on his way there, he told him, fear not, only believe. The two blind men that followed him from Jairus' house, Matthew 9, 27 to 31, said, do you believe I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. The one with the issue of blood, he said, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Uh, Blind Bartimaeus, he said, thy faith hath saved thee. This Syrophoenician woman, O woman, great is thy faith. The centurion who came on behalf of his servants I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. So when Jesus comes on the scene as healer, he demands faith. And Romans 10.10 10 says, so with a heart man believes. Faith is of the heart. Faith is of the spirit. So that's why I said God's method of healing is spiritual. You receive divine healing with your spirit. And that's why you can know that you're healed before the, the healing shows up in your body. And listen, it can be lost. It can be lost. It can be lost. As an undergraduate in school, I had a conversation with a classmate. He told me, he said, he doesn't believe in all these mass healings. I said, why? He said, because many of these people, after they get healed, the same thing comes back. It shows he wasn't God in the first place. I said, really? He said, yes. I said, I want to ask you a question. I said, have you ever received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He said, yes. I asked him, are you walking in close fellowship with the Lord now? He said, no. So I said, okay, so it wasn't God that really saved you. See Revelation chapter 2, verse 25. Revelation chapter three, verse 11. Revelation 2:25, Revelation 3:11. The Bible says, "Hold that fast which thou hast. Hold that fast which thou hast. If you have something, and I tell you, hold firm to it, hold fast to it, hold it tight. What does that suggest? You can lose it. You can lose it. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, the context of that, he was talking about getting back into the law. But that applies to any kind of bondage. And sickness is some bondage. So you have to stand firm in your healing. Otherwise, you could lose it. Because people don't know this. Many people have lost their healing that shouldn't have. Well, I was in this meeting, there was this lady, elderly lady. She couldn't, her hearing, totally gone in one of her ears. There was a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. She was instantly healed. I ministered to her, it popped open right there and then, instantly. She started hearing with it. Well, some days after, I was talking with her. Then she told me something strange happened. That all of a sudden, her hearing went off in in that particular air. Just went off momentarily. And then it came back after some time then it went off again she was hearing a buzzing sound a buzzing sound then it went off completely and it's been gone ever since she said what happened I said I'll tell you what happened when your hearing went off the first time you thought to yourself well I thought the Lord healed me I guess he didn't She said how did you know that I said I know you must have done that otherwise you couldn't have lost it so what should I have done I said when that healing uh, hearing went off the first time you should have said no devil If it's a joke, stop it. You can't take my healing from me. I stand against you in the name of Jesus. I resist you. I'm holding on to my healing. You're not going to steal it. And what will have happened? It will have been back instantly. And you'll have kept it. You see, it's always like the devil to steal what you have received from God. Matthew 12, 43 to 45. When an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, I'll go back to my house where I came from. And when he's come to it, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. And he goes to bring seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. See, that's just like the devil. He will always try to come back. He will always try to reclaim territory that he has lost. He will always try to put the same thing back. Notice that house was was swept, and that was good. It was garnished, decorated, and that was good. But it was empty. It was empty. The man shouldn't have kept that house empty. What should he have done? Stay full of the word. Stay full of the Holy Ghost. Let that house be filled. Get established in the word of God. If you're going to keep your healing, three main things you need to do. Number one, get established in the word. Get established in the word. Continue to feed on God's word. Let me tell you a secret. There's no day under God's heaven that passes that I don't spend at least one hour studying along the lines exclusively of faith and healing every single day, every single day. Now, is that the only thing I study on? No, those are not the only subjects in the Bible. And God wants us to be balanced all round Christians, to feed on the entire counsel of his word. But I got something from P.C. Nelson many years ago that he told Brother Hagin in the late 30s. He told him, he said, constantly feed along the lines of faith and healing. The day will come when you will either need faith for your own healing or for the healing of a loved one. And if your faith has not been kept strong in that area, you will be at a disadvantage. Smith Eaglesort put it like this. He said, if you wait until you need faith and then try to get it, you waited too late. FF Boswell put it like this. He said, most Christians feed their bodies three hot meals a day. Their spirits one cold snack a week. And then they wonder why they are so weak in faith. See, God's word is the food of our faith. Let me tell you something. We have a wheelie foe in that dude called the devil. He doesn't go on sabbatical leave. And he doesn't play fair. He won't wait until you are ready to attack. he waits wait for the time you are not ready. And life is not a tournament. It's not an official bout where there are rules. Don't hit below the belt. When the opponent is down, don't keep punching. devil doesn't play fair. It's when you are down, he will start punching. When you know you have that kind of opponent, you don't want to be caught napping. Now, are we afraid of him? We're not. He's beneath our feet. But at the same time, we don't want to be ignorant of His devices. Get established in the Word. Get established in the Word. Psalm 107 verse 20, He sent His Word and healed them. Continue to feed along those lines. There's this devotional, health food by Kenneth E. Higgins. excellent piece, excellent piece. I'm not trying to market stuff. I'm just trying to tell you stuff that will help you. Books on faith and healing. I have a whole library of them. I feed on them. I have one file. That file is worth over a billion US dollars to me. I have materials there that are older than some people here. I keep it. It's so special. I read. I wore some things out. There are some things, you know, I almost have to photocopy the photocopy of the photocopy. I feed on those things. There are some books that appeal to me. Some don't appeal to me that much. Some materials appeal a lot to me. I feed on them constantly. I get God's word in my system constantly. See, faith does not come by having heard. It comes by hearing and hearing. The memory of yesterday's food will not satisfy today's hunger. You need to eat today. Get into the word. Get into the word. Had Brother Copeland talk about one lady one time. She had been healed under his ministry. Then after a while she had a cancer. And then um, he was talking with her on the phone. And he told her, get your Bible. And she was scampering to look for where her Bible was. said immediately when he saw that, he knew she wouldn't make it. And she didn't. If the cancer has gone this far developed and you don't know where your Bible is, you're in bad shape. Amen. Build God's Word into your system. That's how to keep your healing. Feed constantly. Continue to study God's Word. Secondly, resist the devil. When the symptoms come, don't just say, well, this thing has come again. No, resist it. Tell you a story. One time, E.W. Kenyon went to preach somewhere in New York. And then, in this meeting, incidentally, Brother Higgin had identically the same experience. Preach somewhere in New York. There was, in that meeting, there was one man who had one leg six inches shorter than the other. Six inches shorter. And then there was another lady that had cancer. The man came in the healing line. The leg grew out six inches. Are you listening? Grew out. It was instantly healed. Wore the first matching pair of shoes he had ever worn in his life. The lady also got healed of the cancer. It vanished. She was healed. Went back to the doctors. They couldn't find it. She was perfect. Six weeks after the meeting, this man was walking on Main Street in New York and all of a sudden, as he was on the sidewalk, that leg that was crippled, that had been healed just turned in backwards. Just turned around. He said he almost fell. Same leg. Crippled leg that grew out and was instantly healed. Just turned around like he was trying to get crippled again. He said he pulled himself to the side. And then he pointed his finger and said, Devil, you don't put that back on me. You don't put that back on me. 2,000 years ago, Jesus purchased my healing. I took it six weeks ago. And I'm still having it. It's mine now. Get away in the name of Jesus. He said instantly, under his eyes, the legs straightened back up. And he walked. He kept his healing. It was a Wednesday. He got to church that Wednesday. The same lady that had the cancer... And had gotten healed. It was a prayer meeting. So the pastor was taking prayer requests. She put up her hand. And what was her prayer request? She said, well, six weeks ago, when um, hands were laid on me, I got healed. Well, you see, all the symptoms are back. I want you all to pray for me, you know, for my healing. You see? She may just as well have gone to write her obituary. That's stupid. There is a time. Hear me and hear me well. There is a time not to turn in prayer requests. You know what she was really saying? What she came out and said is, folks, I've got the cancer. It's back on me. It's back on me. That was what she was saying. Do you know what happened? She died. That pastor, you know, sometimes we like beating some pastors up. That pastor played into the devil's hands. You know what the pastor said? Said, all right, let's pray for her. That's not what he should have said. What should he have said? Sister, no. We're not going to pray for you. What you need to do is to resist the devil. The devil is trying to put it back on you our praying for you is us saying it is back do you see that brother Hagen went to preach in this church just before he came up to preach one lady got up and said my neighbor she's at death's door doctor says she won't leave past 12 midnight tonight let all pray for her and that lady was a member of that church let's all pray for her that she be healed well they prayed for her believed God amen very next day you know the lady got up and said well she passed midnight in fact the doctor said she's come out of the critical state that he can't explain how it happened but it has happened but she's still weak and tired let's all pray for her that god will perfect the healing now that's foolish that's how to be an idiot 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 that's how to be an idiot i get mad in some of these areas Because people have died due to some of this stupidity. Well, and what did the pastor say? All right, let's pray for her. Let me ask the question. What did they pray for the previous day? Did they pray that God should start her healing? And now they want to pray that God should finish it. No, they prayed for her healing the previous day. Naturally, somebody who has been bed fast for a while will still be physically weak. What should they have done the next day? Well, just giving that testimony. And not because she's looking better. Which is another mistake some people make. They believe God for their healing. They go to the doctor. The doctor gives them a good report. Wow, they get thrilled. Then, they relax a little bit. But unconsciously, their faith shifts from being in the word of God to the good report they've gotten. Then they go again to the doctor again, and then they get a bad report, and then they lose faith. No, your faith should still be in the word of God. Whether you got a better report, you got a bad report, the word of God is still the same. You still keep believing what the word of God says, regardless of the report, good or bad. Your faith stays in the word of God. So the reports will have encouraged them, but they should have kept believing that she's healed. But they prayed. Brother Hagin said as soon as they did, the pastor took up the prayer. He said he heard the audible voice of the Holy Ghost. Now they have taken her out of my hands. She will be dead in three days. Yeah, that church killed her by praying. Do I believe in praying? My God, the Bible says pray without ceasing. But let's pray aright. There's a time not to pray. There's a time when what to do is to resist the devil. There's a time when the prayer to pray is a prayer of thanksgiving. Father, I just want to thank you because I'm healed. I just want to praise you because I'm healed. Devil can't put that back on me. So resist the devil. Resist the devil. If those symptoms try to come back, and let me tell you ahead of time, they will try to come back. That's the devil for you. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's a thief. He will try to steal your healing. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. When he shows up, what do you do? Resist him. Resist him. First Peter 5, 9. Whom resists steadfast in the faith? Amen. You just say, well, those are lying symptoms. I refuse to accept them. Resist it. Don't go broadcasting it to everybody. That's not the time to go on Facebook and say, I have a prayer point. I have a prayer point. I got healed, but the symptoms are back. That's how to die. That's how to die. If you depended on Facebook for prayer agreement, <laughs> I'm sorry for thou. <laughs> now, the last thing. I said first, to keep your healing, get established in the Word. I said second, resist the devil. Number three, hold fast your confession of faith. Hold fast your confession of faith. And I'll round this off with a story. You know Kenneth Hagin. E. Hagen? He was born with a deformed heart. Now, in his day, there were seven organic diseases of the heart in his day. Out of the seven, he had two of them. They were both incurable. His heart, he had those two organic diseases. Then his heart was deformed. Not only was his heart deformed, his entire throat, his chest, his lungs, his entire chest region was deformed. Then he had a blood disease. The uh, white blood cells were eating up the red blood cells faster than his body could bring back new red blood cells. Or medical science could do anything to help it and then thirdly from the waist down he became totally paralyzed from the waist up he was partially paralyzed there were five doctors on his case they told him that nobody that medical science has any record of that had his condition has ever lived past the age of 16. now they didn't tell him he had one chance in a million they said he didn't have one chance in a million that the probability that he will live beyond 16 is zero. Now that's pretty bleak, don't you think so? Well, so it was shut up within the four walls of that room, 405, not College Street, getting ready to die. Eventually the Lord said, don't have to die. At this early age you can be healed. You know the story. Acted on Mark 11, 23 and 24, August 8, 1934. Tuesday, got off that deathbed. He was healed. Now, after he got healed, and this is where I'm going, how to keep your healing. He said, the symptoms of the paralysis never came back. He said, the symptoms of the blood disease never came back. He said, but the symptoms of the heart condition did come back. Now, there was this doctor, Dr. Robasson, you know, in school. He had the school he went, Boyd High School in McKinney. The teachers there, there was this MC Smart, who was the school principal. The lady teachers. There was one Missy BC, uh, Miss Bessie May who used to teach them. I think history. You know, some of those teachers, when they saw him, this is a fellow weighing 89 pounds, six feet tall. You know, he had been bedfast all along. So naturally, he'll still be feeling weak. He'll come to class, and he looked like he was going to die any moment. They got concerned. They called the principal. They called the, the doctor. The doctor said, "Well, that boy has the strongest willpower of anybody I've ever seen." I give him 90 days at the most to live. In 90 days time, before 90 days is up, he'll be dead. And guess what? They were so kind, so nice to tell him what the doctor said. That was pretty nice of them, wasn't it? don't you think so? You know? And the devil's a pretty good mathematician. He would tell him how many days he had left out of the 90. Now, within that 90 day period, the symptoms of the heart problem came back. They came back. He said his heart wasn't beating right. All those symptoms were back. You know, and then you'll meet somebody. And then the person will say, Kenneth, Kenneth, how do you feel? Does your heart still give you any more trouble? You look like you can hardly put one foot in front of the other. And listen, initially, initially, and you know, we learn from experience, right? The Lord told him, I've taught you faith through my word. I've allowed you to go through certain experiences. You've learned faith go through my word and my experience. I want you to go teach my people what I've taught you. I want you to go teach my people faith. So this is one of such experiences. Initially, you played into the devil's hands. When they ask him, how do you feel? He will say, well, my heart doesn't beat quite right. I feel so tired. Then the person will say, okay, let me get you in the car and take you home. They will take him home. When he gets home, he have to go to bed because the symptoms are worse. And that continued to happen. And that continued to happen. And that continued to happen until he was spending more time in bed than out of bed. Until he was, becoming, he was fast on the way to becoming bedfast again then there was one particular morning he hadn't slept because of alarming heart symptoms it was 4 a.m the symptoms persisted then he asked himself something is wrong somewhere god doesn't miss it i must be missing it that's pretty smart don't you think so i'm not making my connection somewhere what's going on you know now he didn't even know it but he was led by the holy ghost unconsciously then he went back in his mind and said okay what did i do when i got healed he played the whole incident back in his mind. said, yes, I got healed when I began to say, I believe that I receive healing for the heart condition. I believe that I receive healing for the blood disease. I believe that I receive healing for the paralysis. I believe that I receive healing from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Based on Mark 11:24." Then he asked himself, okay, what have I been doing since then? Well, how do you feel? And the heart symptoms are back. And he said, that must be it. I have been speaking the wrong words. I have been speaking the wrong words. Then he also noticed, when people were asking him, how do you feel? He said, some words will rise up inside him. Words like, himself took my infirmities and bear my sicknesses. I'm fine, thank you. Words like, by the stripes of Jesus I'm healed. I'm fine. You know, He said, those words will rise up from his spirit. But rather than speaking them, he will speak out of his head, based on his symptoms. And the more he confessed his symptoms, the worse he got. He now said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to keep saying the wrong things. I will stop making confessions of sight. Instead, I will make a confession of faith. The moment he hit on that, he had the best sleep he had ever had in months. He slept off. About a day after, he was going down, downtown McKinney. And there was this friend of his, Eugene, Eugene Black. You know, they had this apartment, they had a store, then their house was on top of the apartment. Then um, Eugene's mom, Mrs. Black, saw Kenneth going down the road. She beckoned to him, Kenneth, Kenneth. He got there. He said, how do you do? Does your heart, same old question. Does your heart still give you any more trouble? You look like I hardly put any food in front of the other. Then he said he wasted just a moment. And from the inside of him, these words rose up. When Jesus was here in the flesh, he said in Mark 11, and he just blotted it out. He said in Mark 11:24, 24, what things ever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. I prayed and I believe I received my healing. So I'm well. Thank you. She looked like somebody slapped her in the face with a wet dish rag. Yeah, that's what he said. She was startled. Said, all right, do you want me to call Eugene to take the car and take you home? Now listen. Imagine you say, I believe I'm healed. Thank you. And then you say, but let them take me in the car. That's faith confession plus wrong action and it will produce faith failure. If you believe that you're healed, then you're going to act like it. He said, no, I'd rather walk. Thank you. He said, honestly, he didn't only look like he was about to fall dead. He felt like that. He felt like he would drop dead with one step while he was going home. Home was one and a half miles away. He said, but this is what happened. The longer he walked, the stronger he got. The longer he walked, the stronger he got. He said, by the time he got home, all the symptoms were gone. He felt like he could walk another two miles. He was perfectly healed. Said so that's how he kept his healing. Amen. So how do you keep your healing? Get established in the word. Resist the devil. Hold fast your confession of faith. Hold fast your confession of faith. Maintain your confession. Somebody asks you, how do you feel? You, say, eh. you see, those symptoms, they are still back. Home. What do you say? Himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. By his stripes I am healed. The spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead, he dwells in me and he quickens my mortal bodies. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost and I'm not letting the devil violate it. I resist the devil steadfast in the faith and he runs from me as in terror. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Sickness is a part of the curse. So I'm redeemed from sickness and disease. That's what to say. Maintain your confession. Maintain your confession. Maintain your confession. So God wants us healed and he wants us to stay well. And then thirdly, he wants you to go dispensing it. You see, Baba walunche, Do you get my point? It's our father that does it. It's our brother that made it available. And we are the ones dispensing it. Amen. 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 now, I want to have a little break, little break, and then we'll minister to the sick. If you're here and you need healing for your body, listen, this is your day. This is your day. You won't live here like you came. Amen. Maybe you have a loved one who's sick and who is not here. You know, I've heard people, they will take the person's picture. Look, the power of God won't enter the picture. And even if it did enter the picture, what will it do to the person? We're not herbalists. Are you listening? Yeah, we're not juju men amen praise God but if you have a piece of cloth a handkerchief don't come and bring paper don't come and bring tissue I mean cloth handkerchief any piece of cloth your scarf cloth we can lay hands on it and then you can take it to the person now don't just take it to the person get this message and get the person to hear it faith comes by hearing and hearing now sometimes there are hang-ups that people have why they are not able to receive Sometimes, you know, they think God is trying to use sickness to teach them something. Sometimes people have those questions. In the next session, we will lay hands on the sick. Amen. We'll minister to the sick. If you have somebody like that, just look for a way you can know the one that is your own. And then put the pieces of cloth, put them here, we'll lay hands on it, and then it'll get the job done. Praise God. And then we'll lay hands on the sick. Amen. And the sick will be healed. The sick will be healed. The sick will be healed. Let's say this together. Healing is God's will. Always God's will. For the sick. Healing is God's will for me. God wants me well. I want me well. And I'm taking a hold. Of that which is mine. Healing is mine. Healing is mine. mine. And I'm taking my healing today.